Genre. Doctor Companion presents Doctor Who the Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Nick Jimenez. And today on the show, we will be discussing Earthshock, which is the fifth Doctor's sixth story. And uh, Earthshock comes to us from writer Eric Sayward and director Peter Grimwade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Grimwade had previously done Kinda, which is, uh, you know, a goodie. We talked about that back, you know, a couple seasons ago. Uh, and yeah, this is, uh, this is the last story that a- Eric Sayward has a, uh, writing credit for, I think, uh, because he, this is sort of, this was written in the transition of him becoming script editor. And at the time BBC had a rule that script editors could not write, uh, episodes of the shows that they were script editing for guild reasons, I guess. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not totally sure what all the rules were and why they were in place, but that was a thing. Uh, so this was he was um, basically he would be taking over for uh, the previous script editor, who was Anthony Root. Uh, this was Anthony Root's final uh, script editing gig, and uh, the reality of the situation was that he had actually already left at this point, uh, but. You know, John Nathan Turner and Eric Sayward and Anthony Root uh, agreed that Eric Sayward had to write this episode for reasons I'll get into in a second. Uh, And so they basically sent him the script. Anthony Root, like, changed, like, you know, a couple of things and then was like, "Okay, I script edited it (laughs) Um, just just so that uh, they weren't technically breaking any rules. But they were they were certainly bending all of them. Uh, in order to get Eric Sayward to write this. Uh, The reason that Eric Sayward had to write this story was because originally this story was going to be uh, a story called The Enemy Within, which was going to be written by well-regarded science fiction author Christopher Priest. Christopher Priest being uh, most well-known for writing the original novel The Prestige. Um which, you know, would later become a Christopher Nolan film, of course. Uh, so he had actually been, uh, he, he had been approached and wrote two separate Doctor Who stories uh, throughout um, like the last like, you know, three years or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And in both times, his stories were, uh, he wrote them and then stuff happened and they didn't end up getting produced. Um, the first story 
was uh, commissioned by um, was commissioned by uh, Douglas Adams during the eSpace uh, trilogy of stories. His was going to be the capper on that, and it was going to be uh, the the departure of K nine and Romana. Um, mm-hmm. Romana, of course, being a character that Nick has not met yet, nope, uh, and won't meet for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I don't, but I don't was, like to think that far ahead on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Douglas Adams actually uh, picked up his first, uh, the, the first thing, and the this was called this was a story called Sealed Orders, and it was going to be a political thriller set on Gallifrey, in which the Doctor is seemingly ordered by uh, Gallifrey High Command to kill Romana by the Time Lords. So. Wow. It was going to, yeah, it was going to be like a crazy, but yeah, it was it seemingly, obviously there was going to be like some like sketchy stuff going on and that it wasn't actually that, right. but, um, that was going to be, uh, the story, uh, a story called sealed orders. And, uh, yeah, he wrote it and they, everyone got the scripts and agreed that they were, uh, unproducible and, uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, and and we're like okay well uh we're not going to make these so we're going to we're going to do this other story at the end of the East Space series so i'm sure we'll talk about this again in like you know a decade from now when we get oh my there God. <laughs> uh, but uh but the but this story <laughs> this story the enemy within um again i i you know christopher priest who um Obviously has trouble writing uh, scripts, which seems to be his issue is that he he overwrites scripts and writes things that you literally can't show on screen because he's used to writing as a novelist. And he's just like he's just a bad script writer. And to the point where he wrote this the second time, they tried to give him another another go with this enemy within storyline. And he wrote this, the the first episode, and they were like, "Hey, um, you're, you're doing it again, man! Like you can't, you have to write it like this." And uh, either Anthony Root or Eric Sayward or someone, I think it was Anthony Root, actually um, rewrote one of his episode scripts to show him what they're supposed to look like, and he was so offended that he quit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the the enemy within was going to be uh, a storyline about this one. I'm glad do- doesn't happen. Um, but I do like where uh, Christopher Priest's head is at. Um, he this story was going to actually take place entirely in the TARDIS, and uh, there was going to be a, re- a reveal of what the creature is that actually runs the TARDIS. Uh, and oh. that was going to be like what it was the the enemy within, and and it was in fact going to kill Adric. That was also one of the things. Um, it was non negotiable. So yeah, so the the so the TARDIS the TARDIS was actually going to kill uh, was going to kill Adric. I'll do it myself. In the, in the Christopher Priest story, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it obviously to me that it, it's obvious to me that Christopher Priest had an interest in Time Lord mythology and you know Gallifrey and stuff hey, like that. And same, I mean, bro. Know, yeah, right. So like, I, I I liked where his head is at. I I I do. You know, maybe they weren't executed in the best way, but I I I like seeing a, a writer coming into the show and being like, let's 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 look into this stuff. Oh heck yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I think that's kind of cool. But anyway, so uh, he left, and they didn't have a script, so that's why they needed to bring in Eric Sayward to write this because he was like, I mean, you know, I could I could turn this out. I mean, that's that's not a problem. Um, and so what they did was his contract as script editor was going to begin on July first, uh, and so they commissioned him to write Earthshock on June twenty ninth. So as not to uh, wow. upset the higher ups, and uh, they commissioned him to write them, but of course he didn't uh, get the scripts in until like you know well after he was uh, you know starting his tenure as script editor. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's how that's how this story sort of came about. Um, as far as the Adric situation. Uh, John Nathan Turner, the producer, decided to write out Adric because he felt that the character was unsuccessful uh, and he felt that actor Matthew Waterhouse had been a bit of an awkward presence on set and uh, had uh, had a few incidents involving him and the other cast members and directors and things like that. And so everyone just sort of agreed that it would be best if he uh, left. Well, everyone except for Matthew Waterhouse, who uh, basically threw a gigantic fit when he found out that Adric was going to be killed because it meant that he would never be able to return to the show. And then <laughs> the only thing that calmed him down was that John Nathan Turner explained to him, yes, but it's a time travel show, so you could always come back from before you died. Yeah. So That's he funny. was like, well, okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, so they killed him. Yeah, because he <laughs> – John Nathan Turner was like, was like well – um, he he did, he felt that Adric. It said, it said he felt that Adric did not lend himself to a traditional departure scenario. Instead, he should just be killed off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, this would be the first time that a uh, a major companion had ever been killed off. There was a few short lived companions mm-hmm. uh, during season three's Do- the Daleks Master Plan that were killed off, but they were like barely companions like they were only technically companions yeah um so nothing nothing like this had ever happened before uh and so that was a big deal also the return of the cybermen was a big deal because this was the first time that the cybermen had been in the show since the story that we talked about last season on long way around revenge of the cybermen in 1975 Mm -hmm. so this was you know seven years later uh, that they were getting around to bringing the Cybermen back. So this was uh, a really big deal, and John Nathan Turner decided to keep it a secret. And so, uh, you know, he they they put up um, – usually when, in the studio, they had um, – the studios where they shot Doctor Who, they had – uh, tours coming through and things like that. And so there was this area, this catwalk area above each studio where the tours would walk and they would see them shooting Doctor Who and stuff like that. And it was like a fun thing for the people on the tour. But while they were filming this story, they actually blocked up all of the glass uh, so that the tour groups couldn't see what they were shooting because he wanted it to stay a secret That's that, cool. the, that they were coming back. And it's like, you know, kind of one of the only times that like a major villain like the Daleks or the Cybermen were in the show and they didn't put them in the title of the episode. Mm-hmm. 
So the fact that the Cybermen show up at the end of episode one is like a huge reveal. And actually, uh, after the first episode of Earthshock, the subsequent episodes and um, all of the the episodes in uh, Time Flight, the uh, season finale of this season, were the highest rated episodes of Doctor Who to air during John Ethan Turner's tenure as producer. Um, wow. So it was a it was a really big deal that this happened. Like this was this story was uh, crazy. No one had ever seen anything like this on Doctor Who before. Uh, and you know, the, the Cybermen showing up was a huge shock. And on top of everything else, Eric Sayward and, uh, John Nathan Turner sort of agreed and got the director to agree to it as well, that they wanted it to have, uh, they wanted it to be paced more like a film. And so most stories would have somewhere between 40 and 60 scenes to shoot and earth shock has over 80. Uh, because Yay. they wanted this, yeah, they wanted the scenes to be shorter and they wanted it to be more fast paced and move a little quicker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, honestly, I think it pays off. I, I think this is one of the better paced stories in, uh, Peter Davison's run. Mm-hmm. I think, I agree. um, it's, yeah, it's really, really well paced. And, uh, yeah, so it was, that's, uh, that's sort of like how it came about. And it's, um, it's a uh, it's a real it's it's I you know it's so funny because it is a crazy story, but watching it this time, like I've probably seen this story probably more than any other Peter Davison story, except for maybe um well definitely except for definitely uh uh, uh his final story, mm-hmm. um, Case of Androzani. Uh, but I've seen this a bunch of times just incidentally. And um, I I feel like every time I watch it, I like it more. Uh, and this time watching it, I just I was really impressed with knowing how quickly they had to sort of throw this together, and that Eric Sayward was under the um, the uh, extra pressure of becoming script editor at the same time as he was writing this story. Uh, I'm really impressed with it structurally and how mm-hmm. well it sets things up and pays them off. Like it really comes together really, really well, despite the fact that like, it's an insane story. Like it's totally (laughs) insane, but, but it like, it really holds together well. And I think that's really impressive. And in fact, like, you know, between this and his other story, uh, the one about the fires of London, um, what is that story called? Oh, the visitation. Yeah, the visitation. Between this and the visitation, it really saddens me that Eric Sayward became script editor because I kind of wish he had just continued writing episodes. Because mm-hmm. um, I think he's a better story writer than he is a script editor. Um, well, like, he's like we will see he's like the pre quickly. he's like the pre Moffat Moffat, right? Like yeah. All of his yeah. stories are really good, and then he becomes the the head guy, and it's just like, ooh, yikes! So right, right, right. Um, and and part of that too with him is that he didn't have as much control over the show as he wanted it to, because like creative politics on Doctor Who were just very strange back then, mm-hmm. where you had like 
yeah, the script editor, but then like the producer also has like a lot of creative control, which was is weird. And mm-hmm. now it's different. Now it's the script editor that has all the creative control. The producer is just doing their best to, uh, you know, give that person their vision, mm-hmm. um, execute that vision, which is probably how it should be. And and the reason that we get into so many tr- problems, I think, in here is that, you know. Uh, say what you will uh you know i think we all we all love colin baker for for who he is um but he hated colin baker and he didn't want him to play the doctor and he didn't want to write that guy and he was forced to by john nathan turner because that's who he decided was going to be the next doctor you know and that that does suck like if you're if you're the script editor and you're stuck with an actor you don't want playing the role like that sucks Mm mm-hmm you don't have to throw a, a little baby fit about it like he did. Um, but Right. You could be but, like a professional. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, you could be a professional. Absolutely. But which it is, is weird. It and is it's ironic weird. throwing a fit about the sixth doctor, which is exactly something right. the sixth doctor would do. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, yeah. That's actually – yeah. Wow. I don't think I ever put that together before. Um <laughs> I think uh, I think he has more in common with the sixth doctor than he'd like to admit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and then you know the last bit, of course, is the the uh, closing credits to episode four being silent. Uh, that's the first and only time in the history of Doctor Who that uh, the episode has ended in silence. It's that's, so uh, melodramatic. <laughs> it's never never happened before well you know the death of the dinosaurs is melodramatic Rest <laughs> in peace, dinosaurs. Uh, so. i feel like worse things have happened since <laughs> yeah i have they i don't know i mean like something that feels like something you do when like a real person passes away <laughs> like, as opposed to Adric. <laughs> yeah as opposed to Adric. you know like may- maybe when like you know the actor that played the brigadier passed if they had done like a 20 seconds of you know silent credits or whatever yeah that's but like true. was i mean i i i i guess was was is adric the first companion to like you know bite it in the line of duty uh y- yes okay sort of sure sort of yeah clean i mean susan's you know <laughs> on a on a beach in cuba somewhere Right. <laughs> In her like fourth incarnation, I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> anyway. So that's that's Earthshock. Earthshock Part One. Written by Eric Sayward. Directed by Peter Grimwade. Produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Anthony Root. Air date eighth of march nineteen eighty two. A scientific expedition investigating nearby caves for fossil remains is cut short when the team disappears. The only survivor, Professor Kyle, works with an investigation team led by Lieutenant Scott. Scanning equipment directed at the cave to detect life forms is coming back negative, suggesting that the expedition team are all dead. Kyle agrees to use her knowledge of the tunnels to direct Scott and his team into the caves to find out what happened. In the TARDIS, Adric declares his desire to return to his home planet of Pterodon in e-space, which the Doctor proclaims is not possible. But Adric is insistent that he can calculate the coordinates safely, much to the Doctor's chagrin. Adric begins his calculations as the TARDIS lands inside the cave. 
The doctor goes for a walk in the caves with Tegan and Nyssa, causing life forms to suddenly appear on the scanners outside looking for survivors. Lieutenant Scott instantly assumes that the newcomers must be responsible for the expedition deaths. His squad splits up and is attacked by dark figures picking off the team members one by one. Scott and the remainder of his squad come across the doctor and his companions and capture them. Scott accuses the doctor of the murders and the doctor tries to convince him otherwise. They discover the remains of the scientists as well as a metal hatch which begins to emit a trilling sound. Scott orders the doctor to open the hatch, but the dark figures arrive and begin to attack as everyone dives for cover. The doctor realizes that the attackers are androids, which is why they did not show up on the scans. The androids appear to be defending the hatch and shrug off their counterattacks. As an android focuses its gaze on the doctor, the image is transmitted elsewhere to their masters, the Cybermen, and the Cyber Leader orders the androids to destroy them. So... Part one of Earthshock, we are back on Planet Rock Quarry, every Doctor Who fan's favorite planet. Mm-hmm. And uh, this woman who's part of like a like a excavation team uh, is working with like this sort of um, local military or security or whatever and telling them that her team got attacked and she got away. Uh, but it's... The the team is like very untrusting of her, uh, and and hmm. seem to believe. And this is this is a this is an ongoing thing in this story. Is like lots of people believe that innocent people can't possibly be victims; they must be the murderer. That happens a lot in this story. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they they think this poor woman uh, murdered her team and ran out of there, um, and now she's going to kill them too. <laughs> but really, uh, it's just these uh, android dudes that they kind of look like um, the android from uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yes. Good call. Yeah. It's, uh... I was going to say they look like Daft Punk, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, no, but I, I yeah. think you're both right. Yeah. No, I think that's both true. Yeah. Um, I, I actually kind I, of... I think, I think you only think Daft Punk because there's just two of them. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. like goth Daft Punk. Like yeah, they, they they're are. all in black. Yeah. Like, if, like if you know, like uh, Random Access Memories was sort of paying tribute to like seventies disco electronic. So their next album, they're like, now we're gonna do like London, like goth, like. Ask <laughs> me. That'd be great. I actually kind of mm-hmm. prefer this design to. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing like a a, a cool reboot of like this look on. Mm-hmm. androids i don't know i was kind of I, I i miss them in future episodes yeah i mean i i i do think it would be cool if like in like a a future doctor who story at some point we meet um rather than always meeting contemporary cybermen if we met cybermen from like a million years in the future and they look like super sleek yeah cool yeah. Why did we look? Why did we ever look like that? Right. Yeah. And like maybe like, oh, man, wouldn't that be? Oh, man. I don't even want to say it because like, well, I'll never get to write for Doctor Who. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, it w- wouldn't it be cool if like you met Cyber, like he met Cybermen from like, you know, like like millions of years in the future and they actually like are better. Like they're just they're like just people now yeah. and they're like they're better and like they're like elves and Tolkien. 
Yeah, yeah. They've just like become like better humans, and the doctor's like, "Oh, that's what you eventually upgrade to." That's you're like you're like humans. You just you just were really really crappy, right? In your first like million <laughs> years of existing, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was fine that you wanted to be Cybermen. You just didn't need to be rapey about it, like you were. <laughs> um, you know, just. Do it to yourselves. You don't need to kidnap other people and do it. Just right? do it to yourselves. Um, Not like those filthy Daleks. Like, oh, no, there's still a little bit in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So this uh, this takes us back to the TARDIS where Adric is pouting because everyone oh, makes my. fun of him. Um, and he doesn't want to read the stupid black orchid book because it's stupid. And what does he care about black orchids and the adventure they were just on? I know um, I don't. <laughs> and, and, uh, he's just like, he basically says, I'm tired of doing this. I want to go home. And the doctor gets very upset because he's like, we agreed you can never go home because you live in East Space and we're never going back there because it's really hard to get there. And I, it's dangerous and I don't want to do it. And Adric is just like, but I, 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 you know, I'm a math guy. I could do the math. I got this. I have a medal for mathematical <laughs> excellence. Yes. <laughs> But there's this really great bit where he's just like, well, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And then I'm going to show you my calculations and you'll believe me. And he's like, and then he says this line, which I was like, I was like, oh man, th- that is a really, really nice line for foreshadowing. Like I was like, that's really well written. Uh, where the doctor says, like, do whatever you want, but I'm not going to wait around while you plot a course to your own destruction. Mm, yeah. And I was like, mm. oh boy, that's good. I was like, that's. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's really good. And like, just imagine watching this weekly, you know, and, and, you know, they set up that ending mm-hmm. um, right there. Like, that was pretty good. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this whole bit is just like, it's just the doctor and Adric bickering like a, like a married couple. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's as annoying as it is adorable. Like, I just, I I don't know. Like I Right, like I, you you can kind of you can you can I, I guess I can sympathize with Adric, but like it the 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 only like the answer to all of the questions that he's throwing is at the doctor is like, you know, well you kinda suck, Adric. Like I don't know what to tell you. Like <laughs> Well how yeah. come not me? <laughs> come on, man. I don't wanna I don't wanna talk to you. Look how you're talking. Like yeah. <laughs> God. Um, so, uh, so the, the, they, they end up in the, in the caves where the other people are and, uh, the doctor and the others are sort of like walking around while Adric is, stays in the TARDIS and does his math equations to try and get home. And, uh, it, it really, it just feels like, it feels like he's playing one of those like math games you would play in like elementary school where it's Mm -hmm. like, do these math problems to get yourself home, you know, like. (laughs) Those are his. Those are his goth records. Like, yeah, that's what. That's what I imagine he's doing. Like when he's doing these math things, I imagine he's playing like one of those math games. Um, <laughs> I uh, so you get to, at the end. You get to send away for a medal for mathematical excellence. Yeah, you have won the medal for mathematical excellence. Oh my god! Oh, oh I did it! Genius. <laughs> 
So, so uh, they're walking around the cave while Adric is doing his doing his thing in the TARDIS, and uh, they start seeing all of these like dinosaur fossils and stuff, and they just start talking about dinosaurs. And uh, I, I was this like new, relatively new science at the time, like what dinosaurs? dinosaurs? No, yeah, no. I mean, I mean, maybe they were going through like a resurgence, but I mean, I. I really want to say modern paleontology, as we understand it, kind of came around in like the early 1900s. Yeah. Is that right? Maybe, okay. maybe a little earlier. Because like the way they're talking about it, it's it's like when in Classic Who, when they talk about some sort of new technology that everyone is excited about and they're talking about it like it's new technology. And it's like, guys, you're just like hella dating the show. <laughs> right. It's like how the, thir- the 13th Doctor is probably going to say quantum a lot next year. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's just, uh, it, it, it's just interesting how much they were talking about it. But yeah, I mean, obviously it's a setup for stuff that's going to happen later, but, um, like adventures you know, just on in a case, certain spaceship. Yeah. Well, just in case you've never heard of, uh, just dinosaurs? in case you've never heard of dinosaurs <laughs> and how they died or what happened to them. The show, um, the show's for kids. You yeah, know, every, I guess that's every, true. Fair enough. Fair enough. What the, what the hell's um, a dinosaur? It's, it's easy to forget that sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I do like the line where the doctor's like, yeah, I've always wondered what it was that killed the dinosaurs exactly, but I've never gone back to check it out. Like, well, you're about the to answer find is out. beyond his imagination. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it, it involves, it involves uh, math and uh, a, stubborn, a stubborn child. Um, <laughs> So uh, this was also the point of the the point of which I I just realized um, that I want to visit the alternate universe where Michael Crichton never wrote Jurassic Park the novel and just wrote an episode of Doctor Who called Jurassic Park. Oh my god! Yeah, it's John so, Hammond. It's yeah. such a Doctor Who story, Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like John Hammond invites the Doctor. To like come yeah. to his park and and then yeah and and Ian Malcolm is a very like you know like this is BS. What yeah, well, thinking? I I I think I think Ian Malcolm like you would take Ian Malcolm out and that would be the Doctor. That yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Like playing. he kind of fills yeah. that role. Yeah, just because you could doesn't mean you should. Like that's such a Doctor thing. Like I can imagine Peter Capaldi in Jurassic Park playing the Goldblum part. Oh my God. Now I'm just imagining Jeff Goldblum as the doctor, just straight up. And it's the greatest thing. <laughs> Isn't he, he wasn't wasn't he uh in in you know whatever whatever constitutes canon for that? Isn't he uh canon like one of the Inspector Space Times? Oh uh, yeah. Yes. I wanna say because it's too perfect to not be. Yeah. I feel like he is, or 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 maybe I'm thinking of like someone. I read some where someone like was like in an alternate universe where where uh, Sydney what's his face um, came to work at, at on American television instead of the BBC and created Doctor Who over here. What would be the American Doctors? Mm. And maybe he was in that list. Um, that's entirely possible. You know what's crazy well. is I feel like if you get like you know late eighties Jeff Goldblum as the Doctor and or. 2018 Goldblum as the Doctor. Those are two very different. They, those could each be their own. Mm-hmm. That's character. true. Very true. Well, I mean, you, what you have is uh, you have uh, you have 80s Goldblum, ni- 90s Goldblum Doctor, and then you have 
today's Goldblum as like uh, the dude that shows up, the curator that shows up at the museum and stay at the doctor. Yeah. Except less unsettling. Right. Less unsettling. <laughs> Where he just goes, ah, uh, ah, uh, and then taps his nose and then just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> have a great time. Have a great time. This, uh, this oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> he, would be, he would be the fourth doctor equivalent, wouldn't he? Yeah. 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 Oh, that oh, scene was so weird. <laughs> it sure was. Uh, it's like, you know so... when you're a kid and there's that one old person that you like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> I ran into them and my mom's not here. Oh, no. So. Uh, the dinosaurs. So this. Uh, yeah. And then we, we get, uh, you know, agro military guy who's just like, you killed all of her friends. And she and she's like, well, I don't I don't know if that's true. And he's like, no, they did. They're bad. They're bad people. You should be ashamed of yourself. And like, we just got here. Dude, like, chill out. Um, which is, again, this is a continuing thread through this story. It's the one part of the story I could do without, I feel like, is all of the aggro people. Um, a lot of. Yeah, uh, it's a little running in place. That's, for a just, lot yeah. of that's just Eric Sayward's, like, trademark is just, like, aggro 80s machismo. Yeah, like, true. But. Very true. Oh, well. Yeah. But sometimes it works better than others. Like, I mean, you know, um, and I think it it's fine here. It doesn't it's not as annoying as it gets later Mm -hmm. in his tenure as script editor. Yeah. Um, But it's still just like, all right, man, like not every guy needs to act like that. Like we can (laughs) they can be, you know, have reason. I don't know. Right. Um, This isn't a Dwayne Johnson movie. I know he doesn't know who that is yet, but like equivalent. So yeah, and then uh, and then we get the uh, we get the Cybermen reveal, um, which, like I was saying in the behind the scenes thing, was a was a complete reveal for uh, viewers. They had absolutely no idea that the Cybermen were going to be making their triumphant return here after seven years off of the show. It was um, a surprise for me. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad that that nice. was a surprise for you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, it was a surprise for everyone. So that's uh, that's really cool. <laughs> Welcome to the '80s, Cyberman. <laughs> Welcome to the '80s. You have moon boots now. Oh, <laughs> a weird human mouth that you can kind of see. Yeah. Oh, I love that though. It's, I, it's great. I love. It. I, I, wish I really, it. I really love it. I think these might be my. Uh, I, I, I'm Mondas Cybermen are always going to be my favorite because they're just so creepy and weird. But yeah, to me, the the creepier the Cybermen is when you can see you are reminded that there is a human body under there. Mm. Yeah, totally. That to me is when the Cybermen are at their most like, oh god, like for, you know. Yeah. So this, I think this is probably like my second or third favorite design for the for the Cybermen, just because I do I love that silver flappy chin. Under the glass case, it's so creepy. <laughs> it's really, it's really creepy. Earthshock Part Two, written by Eric Sayward, directed by Peter Grimwade, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Anthony Root. Air date: 9th of March, nineteen eighty-two. Adric wanders out of the TARDIS, trying to locate the Doctor. He's able to distract one of the androids long enough for Scott and his team to destroy them. The Doctor runs back to the TARDIS and is able to jam the transmission. T-1000 
Tegan and Nyssa usher the rest back into the TARDIS where they will be safe as the Doctor and Adric open the hatch to discover an explosive device within, but they manage to disarm the bomb before it detonates. The Cybermen are puzzled as to why the bomb failed to detonate. Reviewing the recorded images transmitted by the androids, they see the TARDIS and realize that the Doctor is involved, and begin to review their past encounters with the Time Lord. Meanwhile, out in space, a freighter is being inspected by Earth security forces while on its way to deliver its cargo. In an attempt to get to the bottom of the android attack and find the source of the signal transmission, the Doctor and Adric arrive on board to explore the freighter. They are spotted on camera by a crew member named Berger, who tells the captain, a middle-aged woman named Briggs, that they should sound the alarm. The Doctor and Adric hear the alarm and start back towards the TARDIS. Hearing screams, however, Adric and the Doctor run to investigate. Adric spots the bodies of two crewmen and goes to examine the bodies. Unknown to them, another crew member named Ringway arrives behind them. He raises his gun and states, On this ship, we execute murderers. So, uh, episode two, or as I like to call it, Adric to the rescue. Um, Adric, uh, Adric realizes stuff's going on and, uh, he gets out of the TARDIS and is like, there's a bomb and we got to stop it. And so they're, and they're getting, uh, they're getting like attacked by the, um, the Cybermen. And so he comes out of the, comes out of the woodwork and helps them take out one and, there's that great bit where the guy's like, who is that child? And he's like, that's Adric. Like, the doctor's <laughs> offended so that proud. this random guy has never heard of Adric. He's a mathematical champion. <laughs> <laughs> the, that's so, the doctor really is such a mom in that, like, in, the, in their house, he's like, you're nothing. I don't trust you with it. But then as soon as someone else is like... Who's that? It's like that is my son, and he's really, and he has a medal. For <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's quite good at maths. What does that have to do with what he's doing now? <laughs> my God. Um, yeah, and so like the Cybermen are just like, okay, they just killed like two of our guys. Like, who who is this guy? And so they start looking him up uh, and they realize that he's the doctor and they watch videos of the first, second and fourth doctor uh, ruining them in the past. (laughs) All the time he dunked on us. Yeah. It's like, oh, it looks like he's regenerated again uh, and uh, he's going to dunk on us again. But we're not going to let him, are we, boys? This must have been a real treat for I mean how readily available were, were like past episodes at this not point. at all I mean, just, not yeah, at all so that must have been so crazy seeing like them all in our, you can kind of tell because they really do make a point of like this is the part where we catch everyone up with the the, the history of the of the doctor and the Cybermen mm-hmm. you know right. Yeah, because I mean, this was a big deal because, uh, you know, they were talking about in the behind the scenes thing. I didn't really mention it because it was it's not it's not much of a story, but uh, they did mention this in the behind the scenes material that I was I was uh, checking out. And uh, they said that every time they did this, it was such a huge hit with the fans because, yeah, like you said, those stories aren't readily available at this point. And so. Getting to see those old doctors, you know, the older fans were just like, oh, look at them. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you they hadn't seen these past doctors in, in a really long time, especially the first and second doctor, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was uh, it was a it was a really it was a nice treat for everybody. Um, 
So, uh, yeah. So they're like, all right, well, we got to kill that guy for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> but uh, first we is... make him suffer, which I'm like, that's the most anti-Cyberman thing I've ever heard. Like, Twist right. the knife, like we always yeah. say. <laughs> no, but, but you know what, though? Um, you know, all things considered, I really do like these – the, the the personality that they gave these Cybermen because like even though they're not supposed to have emotions like I kind of like them better like this because they while they don't stand out amongst like other Doctor Who villains as much I like that they stand out more as opposite of the Daleks because like my problem with the Daleks versus the Cybermen is like they're both like kind of samey but like one is just a little more aggro than the other one <laughs> but they you know but they're both they're both kind of like they both talk kind of monotony and robotic sounding yeah and they so like indiv- they both hate individuality right flaws. exactly exactly yeah so like this is just like i don't know it was like kind of refreshing to have like this other version of of cybermen because that's the other reason why i like the manda cybermen so much is that they talk really differently too mm-hmm. um and and i like that about them they i just really i just really don't like new who cybermen i think is my problem oh, okay <laughs> no if i yeah and in fact i'm already i'm already kind of like realizing that just with the, i think this is my second classic cybermen story uh-huh. my, and yeah i'm like starting to see why they were iconic in the first place because yeah because my only frame of reference for so long was new who and I kind of grew to dread Cyberman episodes, to be honest. Yeah, same. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So then uh, 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 everybody is they're, – they're sort of um, – they find like a uh, – they find the, the ship and they are going to go like investigate this ship that's over here in the rock quarry in the cave thingy and uh they go they're like scoping that out and then they find uh adric and the doctor stumble on two dead bodies and uh, that guy shows up and he's like on this ship we execute murderers <laughs> they're like oh man uh again just everyone jumping to the easiest conclusions yeah uh yeah because love- you know i I don't know about you guys, but like I, you know, if I ever kill someone, I definitely plan on just kneeling down in front of them and just staring at it. And very um, obviously saying, let's leave before we're framed for the murder. And then- Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. That's exactly what I'll do if that ever happens. Uh, if I ever find myself in that situation, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, because, uh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I feel like that's what murderers do, right? They just they, – they kill the person. They just – they just crouch down next to the body and they just stare at it until someone catches them. Right? That's how that <laughs> yeah, works. Obviously. Oh man. I saw it in um, Doctor Who, therefore it's true. <laughs> Doctor True. God, I love the uh, <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Jesus. Uh shout out to the uh like really angry lady captain that just wants to take a nap and get paid. I love her so much, and she's like the highlight of the story for me. <laughs> Oh, she she's great, and there's this great bit um, when she first comes on the ship, and that guy calls her mom, and and I'm just like, oh yeah, because he's British, and that's how they pronounce ma'am. Mm-hmm. They pronounce it mom, okay. And then she's like, what have I told you about calling me mom when I when I'm at, when I'm your your working captain? She's like, he's like, oh sorry, captain. Yeah. And I was like, wait, wait, like that's literally your son? Like was that like a was that like a British language joke? Like I was, I always. I was, 
really baffled by that by that exchange. Well, I think because like captain is a gender neutral term and ma'am might seem like like it's respectful, but it's not like she's the captain. Like you need to. Okay. So yeah. that that is what it was. He wasn't like literally her son. No, no, no. Because then he would no. say oh, okay. mum instead of mom. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, every okay. time I watch Skyfall at the beginning of it, uh, there's a part where he's like, yes, mom. And I'm like, what is, did you just call M your mom? <laughs> no, that's, that's my American ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, mom. I mean, M. Like just. Ma'am. Ma'am. Like, oh, wow. Title. They just, oh. they put all of that. Uh, that that they put all that subtext. They just made a text just now, didn't they? Um, yes, mummy. Yes, yes, mummy. Please be proud of me, mummy. Um, <laughs> just tell me who to kill. I'll do it for you, mummy. Anyway, not your mother, double oh seven. Very good, James. You're a good boy, James. Good boy, James. Where are you? What have you done? Earth Shock Part 3 Written by Eric Sayward Directed by Peter Grim Wade Produced by John Nathan Turner Script edited by Anthony Root Air date 15th of March 1982 While Ringway escorts the Doctor and Adric to the bridge of the freighter to meet the Captain, Lieutenant Scott announces that he wants to go find the Doctor. Tegan, also wishing to help, goes with Scott and his remaining soldiers. The cyber leader decides that it is time to take control of the freighter and orders a unit of cybermen to be activated. The unit marches on the bridge and is spotted on one of the monitors. The captain orders a blockade, but the cybermen effortlessly blast through it. At the same time, Ringway turns on the crew and announces that he now works for the Cybermen. The doctor disarms him and closes the bridge door before the Cybermen can get inside. The captain seems confident that they can hold out until they get back to Earth, as there are only a few Cybermen, but soon realizes that they are actually carrying 15,000 cargo containers full of Cybermen. The cyber leader has his troops attack the bridge door with a thermal lance. Just as a cyberman breaks through, the doctor uses antimatter to stabilize the door, resulting in the cyberman getting fused into the door. The cyber leader detonates explosives on the other bridge door, however, and the cybermen take the bridge. The doctor and the crew members all watch as the additional cybermen are revived in order to deal with the remaining humans. The doctor looks on in horror as thousands of cybermen march the corridors of the freighter. Uh, so episode three, uh, we find out that the cybermen are, are uh, stowaways on the ship because they're planning on planning on taking it, taking it over. And not only are they like stowaways, but they're also like storing uh, like their their reinforcements in like boxes, like scattered around the around the ship. Um, and uh, I, I just, I, I referenced it earlier, but like, I just, I love their stupid cyber Ugg boots. I just, <laughs> they're so awesome. I love it so much. I just, I love it when this show, when like a new technology, I mean, like this is what we were talking about when I was referencing the dinosaurs thing. It's like the bubble wrap thing mm-hmm. where it's like, there's this new thing called bubble wrap that you use to protect things, but it's so weird looking that if we just like paint it, we can like make an alien out of it. And then it's just so silly in the arc of space when they're being attacked by a bubble wrap monster. Mm-hmm. And, and here, like these are moon boots, like eighties child mm-hmm. 
you know, these are the moon boot things that that phenomenon. And they're just like, oh, these are moon boots. So we should just have the Cybermen wear these. <laughs> oh, it's so silly. Uh, but it literally just looks like it literally just looks like when when they're all walking around <laughs> and you see them all in their in their cyber ug boots it just it just looks like you know like like 8:30 or 9 a.m. on every college campus <laughs> like just <laughs> Just a, just a bunch of young women in tights and Ugg boots going to class. <laughs> they got a latte and a scarf. <laughs> yeah. What was due today? What was due today? I can't even. <laughs> Where did you guys go after I left? <laughs> One of them, one of the main, the main Cybermen, I actually, I had to look it up. I re- really sounded like Christopher Lee. Oh, Cyber yeah. Leader? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. And so, then I realized that Christopher Lee had never, never was in an episode of Doctor, anything of Doctor Who. And that made me sad. Which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, I, I, did, I accidentally did do a bit of research, but uh, he was asked at one point. Uh, and his agent turned turned them down. And I remember the quote was like, I remember being so confused because like the guy was like, I love Christopher Lee, but you know, Christopher Lee doesn't have like a perfect batting average. Like what, yeah. what I wonder, I don't know. I, I guess the agent for whatever reason at that point, Doctor Who didn't have that cachet. Maybe it was just old, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a damn shame because he could have been literally a curator in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> really is too bad. Um, especially, I'm especially surprised that they never got him for New Who. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Ian McKellen I mean, was the great intelligence. I know. I was just going to say, yeah, they got Ian McKellen for God's sake. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Maybe they could pull a Sky Captain and just use like ar- archival footage of him mm-hmm. or something. The Gandalf intelligence. Um, <laughs> Gandalf intelligence. <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we get this, we get this, uh, this like a stairwell shootout as only, as only <laughs> Doctor Who can make, um, uh, which is the Cybermen trying to walk upstairs while people shoot them and then they just shoot them and kill everyone, mm-hmm. uh, and just make their way up the stairs. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a good time. It's just a real good time, you know? Um, the old, the old turn and the old turn and shoot. Yeah. Uh, and the guy who accused them of being murderers has taken them to the, to the bridge, uh, where, you know, the, the captain, um, cap, the older lady captain, just awesomeness, um, is basically telling them to sit in the corner and mind their own business, which is, <laughs> which is great. But, uh, he also steals Adric's gold badge and then throws it on the floor, um, because that's he doesn't respect the maths, I think. So I think of your maths. Well, because the yeah. doctor is saying that Cybermen have a weak, like are allergic or whatever. They react poorly to gold. And then Adric's like, oh, right. my badge is made of gold. And then the guy's right. just like, what, what are you, what is all this then? I'm taking that from you. <laughs> yeah, but then he just throws it on the ground, like after he takes it, um, which is ridiculous. I have no respect he throws for you a big fit about him, like, hiding it from him and then he's just he just throws it on the ground um 
uh, very <laughs> aggro. Very Eric Sayward, this guy. Yes. Um, and uh, and then we get some really cool stuff because um, basically Nyssa and, and Adric have switched places. So now Nyssa is like hanging out in the TARDIS. Uh, and Tegan, meanwhile, has taken up with like the first Arrow dude and his security team. And they're like – they're like sneaking around the caves, like taking out Cybermen. And like, there's this one really badass moment where um, the guy points out, like they see the Cybermen and all the dead people. And she's just like, why aren't we going for them? And he's like, see, see all those dead, see all those, all those people. They have our gun. They have the same kinds of guns that we have. And she's like, well, what does that matter? And she's like, he's like, they're all dead. (laughs) Do you see any dead Cybermen? (laughs) Didn't seem to really work out for them. Did it? Uh, and and then she does this awesome move where they distract a Cyberman and she just like – she like somersaults into a Cyberman, grabs the Cyberman get, gun and blows it away with his own gun. And it's like the most like Ripley the Tegan has ever been. Yeah, because like, she's, she's in like the jumpsuit with the – Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I don't oh, usually man, like Tegan, awesome. but she's really good in this story. Yeah, totally. Um really awesome i love that uh and then we get a cyberman merged with the door that was fun <laughs> like frozen in carbonite like yeah <laughs> oh for sure and that's definitely where they stole it from they're just like oh we should do we should do that sometime right that should Star happen Wars? to a cyberman yeah we should do that um <laughs> but uh yeah they just like merge it with a with a door that's how they they stop the Cybermen from coming onto the bridge as they just merge it with the door. Uh, which is just so ridiculous. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah. And then, and then there's the, the bit with um, where, where Nissa is talking about how they're like, like um, the person on the, on the, on the TARDIS with her is like, don't, can't you like go, like, can't you just take the TARDIS in and whatever? Like, don't you know how to use it? And she's like, ah, I mean, kind of, but like, I wouldn't be able to do it easily. Like, I wouldn't be able to pilot it easily. And I was like, hmm, this is, this is Cass's jam. Yep. This is what she yep, likes. Yep, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Ness is smart, but she's not as smart as the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> good. I just hate it when people um, fly the TARDIS. <laughs> oh, yeah. But though, 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 in, in, uh, in her defense, like, I do believe that. If Nissa and Adric put their heads together, I could buy them doing it yes, together. Yes, but not Tegan. Um, not, not definitely not Tegan. She would, she would only hurt if she was in the room with them. They wouldn't be able to do it. I think <laughs> she would just complain and get in their way. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, but but uh, yeah, but I do like that Nissa's like, yeah. I mean, I can't. I don't. I, I I basically know how it works, but like I don't know that I'd be able to pilot it, mm-hmm. and um, it would uh, it, it's more trouble than it's worth. We could be lost in space and time forever. Um, and they're like, oh, all right, okay, <laughs> not so like now where we're in perfect control at all times, right? <laughs> right, yeah, totally. I I feel like she could just ask the TARDIS very nicely to take them somewhere, and it would just do it. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. And then there's this really great bit, um, that I think is like legitimately well-directed where, um, the Cybermen are releasing all of their Cybermen brethren, uh, on the, on the ship that they've been hiding in storage. And so they're like, 
they're like bursting out of paper metal mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and everything. And uh, uh, Tegan's team is like walking their way through the uh, through the the storage compartment, storage warehouse, whatever of the ship where all the Cybermen are. But like they don't know that the Cybermen are in, the, in there, so they're just like walking through. And then all of a sudden, just like immediately. Like seven Cybermen just walk out from all sides of them, and it's like really instantly overwhelming and creepy. And I was like, "That's pretty good. I like that. I mm-hmm. liked how they how they set that up. Like it just looked like they were in an empty space, and then all the Cybermen stepped out at the same time. And it's like, oh god, that's a lot of Cybermen. <laughs> <laughs> they all just run for it. It's good. Um, but uh, yeah, and then and then there's that one weird shot that ends this story where uh the you know the the cyber leader is like gloating to the doctor about how many cybermen they have armies um and you get that shot of like oh yes the yeah that weird repetitive where it's like the same shot split screen three times and i think we're supposed to think that they're three distinct lines of like Cybermen walking next to each other, but it's obviously a repetitive split screen. It's just, <laughs> yeah. I I was like, oh guys, that didn't work at all. <laughs> it's like, oh no. Uh, oh boy. Yeah. Anyway, that's good old Hoovy and ingenuity. Yeah. That's... Well, again, it's that it's that let's play with the new technology thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm surprised there were never any star wipes on Doctor Who. <laughs> Oh man. Bring I'm, that back. I'm kind of that. impressed that it takes till like halfway through episode three for the doctor to realize what's going on. Because mm-hmm. like the audience has the Cyberman reveal at the end of episode one, but the doctor's like, I don't really know what's happening until like the last or yeah, the last episode. So I yeah. like that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that first confrontation they have is really cool because yeah, you do have that you do have that build up. Mm-hmm. Right, totally. Earthshock Part Four, written by Eric Sayward, directed by Peter Grimwade, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Anthony Root. Air date sixteenth of March, nineteen eighty two. The Cybermen fit a device to the ship's computer which locks it on course to collide with Earth. The Cyber Leader then explains his mission. Several galactic powers are going to meet on Earth that day and hold a conference that will unite them in a war against the Cybermen. Their plan is to crash the antimatter-powered freighter into Earth, resulting in a blast that will devastate the planet. Tegan gets separated from Lieutenant Scott and his men and is eventually captured and taken to the bridge. To escape the freighter's collision course, the cyber leader decides that they will escape the ship in the TARDIS, with the Doctor piloting. Captain Briggs, Berger, and Adric are left on board with a few Cybermen left behind. Luckily, Lieutenant Scott arrives and takes out the Cybermen guarding the bridge. Captain Briggs wants to abandon ship, but Adric believes he can override the device controlling the ship's computer. When he tries, the freighter unexpectedly warps backward in time. Tegan is relieved at this, believing the Earth to be safe, but the Doctor points out that Earth will still be destroyed, but with the crash happening at an earlier point in its history, the planet's whole existence will be nullified. Adric overrides another part of the control device, bringing the freighter out of warp, but still perilously close to Earth. 
Captain Briggs decides that it's time to abandon ship, but Adric is still determined to break the codes. Lieutenant Scott drags him into the escape pod, only for Adric to jump out at the last second and continue his efforts. Back on the TARDIS, the Doctor points out that they have traveled back 65 million years, at about the time the Earth collided with an object which killed the dinosaurs. Tegan realizes that the mysterious object was actually the freighter, and that rather than destroying Earth, the collision will form a key part of its history. While Adric continues in his efforts, Scott signals the TARDIS and informs them that Adric is still on board. The cyber leader decides to kill the TARDIS crew, but Tegan jumps on him and the doctor breaks up Adric's gold-plated mathematics achievement badge into the leader's chest unit. The asphyxiating leader fires its gun aimlessly, damaging the TARDIS console in the process. The doctor grabs the gun and shoots the leader, killing it. Adric is closing in on fully deactivating the control device, but is thwarted when a damaged Cyberman tries to shoot him. The shot misses Adric, but destroys the freighter's controls instead, leaving no chance of altering the freighter's course. The Doctor tries to save Adric, but the TARDIS console is too damaged. The Doctor, Nyssa, and Tegan watch helplessly as the freighter explodes, killing Adric and the dinosaurs. In episode four, we basically get the reveal of the Cybermen's plans, which is they're going to they're going to take this ship that has like an explosive on it and they're going to run it straight into the earth and destroy the earth because they're Cybermen and that's what they do. But they're going to escape the ship before they do it and and go about their way. They're just like just sort of like (laughs) they want to like (laughs) take the they just want to take the ship and blow up earth sort of like on their way to do other stuff. Like they're just like, Oh, this will be a fun detour. We should do this. Yeah. We're just While passing we're through. Here. Yeah. 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 Which is, I it's, just love that. It's like the, it's like the equivalent of like, like being like crap, like, like high school kids that are like, Hey, this is where the teacher lives. Like throwing something at their mailbox. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah. They're going to go egg the earth and then, <laughs> Uh, egg and TP the earth. And, and then go smoke in a Denny's way. parking lot. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of oh. Cybermen in the parking lot, honey. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so... So yeah, so basically uh that's the plan and uh they're going the doctor points out that they don't have like another ship to escape from. They're like, "Well, you came on your TARDIS, so we'll just take that." And he's just like, "Oh no." <laughs> so so uh they're like, "All right, let's go. We're going to the TARDIS. Uh this stupid kid, this stupid mask kid is going to stay on the bridge." And uh, the doctor's like, no, he has to come with me. And he's like, I, like, I need him to, to pilot the TARDIS with me. And he's like, no, you don't, you <laughs> idiot. Um, I, I'm not stupid. I know you don't need this stupid child to run the TARDIS. You do it yourself. And he's like, well, I mean, that's true, but I need him for moral support. And they're like, we don't care. Uh, and Adric's like, it's fine. It's fine. Just go. And he, he like kind of pouts again and then like shakes his hand. And then he's like, all right, I'll see you, you guys later. Adios. <laughs> and uh and they all leave and Adric is uh is stuck on the on the bridge and then um him and the other people on the bridge the other humans they like uh they outsmart the the cybermen and take them out and and trap them outside and everything and then they're like okay we got to crack this code and and make sure that this bomb doesn't go off and um and and you know make sure that we can like 
escape this trajectory we have with Earth. And uh, and so one of the plans of escape that they're going to do is they're going to time warp the ship away from Earth. They're going to basically like time warp it, you know, far enough away or whatever so that they they don't crash into Earth. And then he's also going to be like trying to like shut down the bomb at the same time and everything. And uh, he's doing that. And then he ends up time warping the ship 65 million years into the past. <laughs> And the doctor is just like, oh, we beat you. See, the ship is going to be the meteor that kills the dinosaurs. You've already lost. And the Cyberman's like, no, that makes sense. Ah. <laughs> uh, and he gets very upset. And Tegan's just like, but I don't understand what's going on. Which is – I just love that. She's like, what, what is that? 65 million years ago. What does that have to do with anything? And the doctor's like, think about it. And this is just We were like, literally just talking about it like an hour ago. Yeah. Like, Nissa, yeah. come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on, Tegan. Come on, Tegan. This is like, remember the bones in the cave? Jesus Christ. Um, and and uh, so the cyber leader is very upset. Um, Adric is, uh, cracking the math code, but eventually every, the, the other humans on the bridge are like, we have to go. Like, this is going to crash into earth and we need to get on an escape pod and get the hell out of here. He's like, no, no, I can crack the code and we can save everything. And he, they're like, no, that's, that, don't, don't do it. And they pull him into the elevator. And then as the elevator doors are closing, he believes he realizes the, uh, what the, what the equation is. And he jumps out of the elevator at the last second and uh, goes, to, goes to fix his math problems and then uh, gets locked out. And there's this really sad moment where he just goes, oh, I guess I'll never know if I was right. Oh and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I laugh every single then, time and I feel really bad about it. But it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he kills all the dinosaurs. Adric murders all of the dinosaurs in cold blood. Hey. And probably a few of those uh, those green guys. What are they called? Oh, Silurians. Yeah, yeah Silurians. Oh. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. He's responsible for that as well. Um, yeah. So he, uh, he, kills, uh, he kills everybody. And then, like, meanwhile on the TARDIS, like, the doctor has to take out the cyber leader. Uh, and he pulls out, he pulls out uh, Adric's... Uh, Adric's award for mathematical excellence, which he picked up off the ground when he left the bridge. And uh, he, uh, Tegan holds the Cyberman and he like jams it into like his breathing grid uh, and makes him like breathe up all this like gold dust and he starts like hacking and stuff and then he shoots him with his own gun. <laughs> but not before it like the cyber leader is like shooting all over the TARDIS and he messes up the console. So like the doctor can't even go take the TARDIS to the bridge to save Adric yeah. at the last minute. He can't do anything. He's just stuck and they watch him die and kill all the dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just – I feel like I can't emphasize this enough. Adric, <laughs> math boy, kills all of the dinosaurs. Math man, Scott. <laughs> math, math. No, he was. A, he's a math boy. He's a boy. He's a math hero, is what he is. 
That coincidentally, that's the name of the math game that he was playing <laughs> to get himself home. That's like the Superman to his Iron Giant. Math hero. <laughs> oh, super math hero. Super math hero. Oh <laughs> my god! I'll never it's know just... if I was right. <laughs> so this also came came as a huge surprise to me when I first watched it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I guess I didn't. I didn't know he was going <laughs> to kill all the dinosaurs and die. <laughs> yeah. No, he literally kamikazed into Earth, killing all the dinosaurs. <laughs> While the Doctor and Nissa and Tegan, like, watch. Yeah. And it's just such a weird way to, 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 to you know. I mean, we, we've seen a couple of companion exits this <laughs> round. And they both have been like, yeah, you know, like I said, like someone leaving a party. Like mm-hmm. actually, we're gonna take off. Like it's actually where we live and make more sense of. It. And this one, this kid just like, <laughs> you know, crashes into the earth. No, he maths himself to death. He maths himself that he can't. He can't let it go. Yeah, he has to prove himself. Yeah, I yeah. think thinking back to like uh, Rory or whoever, you know, whenever we have a companion that's like, well, who are you? You know how many people have died because of you. You know, you, you, I don't. I'm now on my first. The first image I'm gonna think is like, yeah, Adric freaking flew into the earth because <laughs> he wanted to impress. He wanted you to think that he was cool. That he was a math cool kid. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I uh, I remember last time I watched this story. I watched it with uh, with with Bethany, my girlfriend. Um, for those of you who don't listen to all of our other shows and hear me talk about her, uh, <laughs> she uh, she is taken to only referring to uh, only referring to Adric as the rootinest tootinest mathematician in the <laughs> Wild Wild West because of his stupid award. That is incredible. The <laughs> uh, uh, rootinest tootinest mathematician in the Wild Wild West. He's clearly he's clearly a child. <laughs> yeah, and it's one thing if like Harry died, like keep going, old girl. I'll hold the door. That you know, like that's something. But for like a so, so a character so infantilized, why did you why did you make Harry into the character? Why did you make him into Hodor? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just the most heroic thing I could think of. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh god! <laughs> he just carries Sarah Jane around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be great. Oh man! Oh boy! Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, and it, and it's kind of uh, it's all set up very well, but like at the last minute, they. I you know they fumble the ending just a little bit because it's just he just needlessly dies. <laughs> yeah. Uh you just like I just oh man there's just that one last there's that last that last clue on the crossword pl- puzzle and I think I just figured it out. He just <laughs> runs back in to do it and dies. <laughs> Oh, and it's man. it's a little I guess, I guess it's a little it's heroic ish like that's the worst thing it, it isn't even like Pex where it's like it is such a bold act of heroism and sacrifice right you know, you're like wow what a hero what a hero forever for all time but like <laughs> right. with this it's like I don't even know what to do it's just it's just a death it's just like, right just a 
I mean, this has been uh, this 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 his death has been. Uh, I don't know that you consider it canonical or not, but but uh, sort of retconned um, in in Big Finish Audio because like the oh. the way that they brought Adric back into Big Finish Audio is that uh, they explained that um, the Doctor accidentally creates a bubble universe that he went to, got older, and then reappeared in Victorian London randomly. What? And then that's that's how they find him. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, after I killed the dinosaurs, I uh, raised myself in a bubble universe, and now I'm back. And uh, I'm here now with a deeper voice. Hi, everybody. That's really funny. Yeah, so. Um, well, my Adric killed the dinosaurs and is dead. <laughs> yes. I, I agree. I agree. Um, that being said, uh, I, I've long, I've long talked about my wishes for, uh, just a, an alternate, just like a, an inferno Adric. That's just like this, like Cybermen killing eye patch wearing crazy mm-hmm. Adric with like, Oh, a gold see, sword. I'm of the, I'm of the <laughs> opinion. See my, my, my nega Adric is like like a really dark version of Reed Richards, Ooh. you know? Like he actually is a math genius, but he he's become – or maybe like Dr. Manhattan where he sees like the cold mathematical truth of everything and it like distances right. him from humanity. But he still has his little math metal like on his <laughs> chest. Like, <laughs> I would I've – always, I've always wanted Adric to sort of come back and knew who for some reason like as like a bad guy. I don't know why. Right. Well, yeah, he has kind of like a buddy from the Incredibles quality to him. He does. He totally does. Yeah. <laughs> he just like he, he comes me. back calling himself the mathematician. I like that. I know you're that not a time lord, you idiot. <laughs> Adric, you stupid idiot. Get out of here. <laughs> Fine, you're then. I'll call myself the good boy. The good boy. <laughs> And K nine is just like, <laughs> oh no! Hey, that's my thing. Yeah. Hey, whoa, I, I let a lot of stuff slide. <laughs> but but you are not moniker. the good boy here. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, man, it's heavy. I don't know yeah. how the doctor doesn't bring it up anytime someone mentions dinosaurs. I know. Dinosaurs. Uh, what if in dinosaurs in the spaceship, uh, like eleven was like, "There's dinosaurs on the sp- oh dinosaurs." Dinosaurs. Oh, just like looks off long. He still has the badge in one of his pockets. <laughs> yeah, it's like charred. He just like looks off longingly, like while riding on the on the back of a of a triceratops or something. Just just sadly looking into the distance, thinking of Adric and maths. The doctor, Jason Todd. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Much like uh, Batman can never uh, look at uh, a crowbar the same way, the doctor can never look at uh, a math equation the same way. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Adric. Oh, Adric. Anyway, we're going to end this episode with 20 seconds of silence. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now I have to do that. (laughs) So anyway, look forward to that, everybody. 
Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's uh, that's Earthshock. Um, man, that story is a lot of fun. It really is. Mm-hmm. For is. for fun. being a companion's death, it's a really fun story. <laughs> like it's it, so weird. I know. Yeah. No. And the death kind of just makes it more fun. Yes. It's yeah. Weird. Yes, a hundred percent makes it more fun. Uh, all right. Well, we will be back next week with uh, Time Lash. Woo. Uh, which is uh, <laughs> Sixth Doctor. Our final 45-minute episodes, uh, Sixth Doctor story, which I'm very much looking forward to. Yes. Uh, and unfortunately, this will not be the last time that we deal with the Cybermen this season because uh, that's, that's what we're doing in Tenth Doctor Town as well. Mom. When we when we Mom. get there. Yeah. Travel I back to 2006, everybody. Yep. <laughs> so, anyway, we'll see you next week with uh, Time Lash. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.